Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. A national report uncovered widespread effort by the Southern Baptist Convention to minimize and cover up reports of sexual abuse within the nation's largest Protestant denomination. We'll cover how the report sent shockwaves through the churches in Oklahoma. The Oklahoman's faith editor, Carla Hinton, is here today. Huge news broke nationwide this week uh, that accuses top Southern Baptist clergy of ignoring reports of sexual abuse by pastors and of keeping a secret list of known predators in Southern Baptist churches. So, Carla, first of all, how have Southern Baptists in Oklahoma received this news? Well, I've talked to several leaders of, uh, of of Oklahoma churches or uh, Oklahoma uh, Baptist organizations, and uh, for the most part, they are heartbroken. Uh, that's what they told me. They they're heartbroken, um, and they feel bad for you know congregations where these things have occurred, and and also the uh, the victims um, that apparently were talking to different uh, Southern Baptist leaders about what had happened to them. But their thoughts and their allegations went unheeded and um, sometimes just, just, you know, outright ignored or uh, they were disparaged in some some way. Um, So for the most part, they have said that they are uh, heartbroken about it, but they also think that now that the report is out and this mishandling of these allegations uh, now that they've been uncovered, now they can move forward. Right. So the Southern Baptist Convention commissioned a, a third party investigation into allegations like these. And that report was released recently um, that uncovered issues nationwide. I'm curious, Carla, did the report find any alleged perpetrators or allegations in Oklahoma? It did not. The The, the report on its face did not. It's like a 300 page document. There, there was nothing uh, about an Oklahoma uh, minister or congregation that 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 I know about. Now there is a list of that the what they were keeping. I guess it was the uh, legal counsel at the time for the uh, denomination. He was keeping a list along with a staff member of they called a secret list. Basically, he was maintaining a list of um, what what I call you know, predator preachers or ministry leaders. Um, who had been credibly accused of sexual abuse or misconduct, that that list has not come out. You know, we don't have that list. However, uh, because of this report being made public, the uh, Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee decided yesterday that they are going to make that list um, public. So 
we will we will see what uh, you know who is on that list. Not to say that there are going to be Oklahomans on that list, but the report itself did not uh, implicate any any Oklahoman at this point. Well, speaking of lists, uh, there's a pastor in Enid who told you he's been calling for the Southern Baptist leadership to create a database of its own sexual predators, not just a list in someone's drawer, right? Uh, He said that when he brought this up, he was ignored. Can you tell us uh, about this pastor and uh, what he had to say about the latest reports? Yes, I will. And as a matter of fact, for many years, I attended the uh, Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting. So I was there that year that he, uh, Pastor Wade Burleson uh, in Enid, I was there uh, the year that he he brought that up. Um, I knew that he was going to uh, do it ahead of time. Pastor Burleson had talked to uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, survivors, uh, victims of uh, uh, sexual abuse in the Baptist church. Her name is Krista Brown. And she had talked to him at length about what had happened to her and after listening to her and I believe maybe a few other victims, he decided to call for what he called, you know, like a database, a, a central uh, location of some sort where uh, churches could check, you know, to see if someone they were going to hire or someone within their uh, congregation, their ministry, uh, ministry leadership uh, was on that list. And he was told to come back in a year. Uh, he made a motion on the floor. Um, and so they said, OK, we'll take this up under advisement, the executive committee. Um, they came back a year later and said that it would not work because of the way that the Southern Baptist Convention is structured. And and what that means, and I'm going to do a story on this because I think people need to know this, that when they say that the, the uh, structure of the Southern Baptist Convention prevented them from doing doing this, what they meant is that it's not like, say, the Catholic Church that has a pope and bishops you know, that who who uh, have jurisdiction over certain churches, the, the uh, Southern Baptist Convention, it does have an executive committee and it, it does have obviously pastors and it has a president and that sort of thing. But the churches themselves are autonomous. And in other words, what they were saying is we can't make churches, you know, participate in this. Now, what just happened, though, in this new report, apparently their legal counsel who was keeping the secret list told them, that there was a way for them to do it, but they but they didn't do it. So now we know that there was a way for them to do it despite their structure, and, and they still didn't do it. But anyway, um, a Pastor Wade Burleson, uh, who recently retired from his uh, church in Enid, um, was surprised to learn to learn all of this. And he was actually interviewed in Oklahoma City by the investigators who put this report together. And he thought it was very thorough. But he uh, sees now that, you know, the good thing is they can move forward and create some kind of database, which is what the investigators are recommending. But he he did think it was very interesting that they were keeping or maintaining a secret list. And yet they said that it couldn't be done. The Southern Baptist Convention meets annually as as a large body of the denomination. And the report really gets into actions by the Southern Baptist Executive Committee, uh, which is a group of leading clergy who act on the denomination's behalf in between those annual meetings. And one member of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee is from Oklahoma. Uh, And Carla, you had the opportunity to talk with him. So what's his response to this explosive report? and, And was he implicated? 
participated in it. So uh, the Reverend uh, Mike Keebone, I met him uh, several years ago when he was here in the metro area. He was the uh, senior pastor of Cherokee Hills Baptist Church. Well, a couple of years ago, he moved to uh, Lawton, where he's from, and he uh, is a senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Lawton. He uh, was asked to uh, join the executive committee in 2021, which is just last year. The report, um, the the report scope is from 2000 to 2020, maybe early 2021. So he 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 came on after they the the report was already they had already kind of started on the report and and that sort of thing. So he's not he's not implicated at, at this point. He has a very uh, interesting take on this because. Uh, from what I understand from him, they put together a, a committee that would kind of act as a bridge or a liaison between the executive committee and the sexual abuse task force that the convention put together. And uh, there were lots of reasons for that, mainly just so that everyone would know kind of what, what was happening as the this investigation was going forward, what was needed, that sort of thing. Um, and so he was one of the first people to see the see the report. And I remember that a couple of days before the report came out, I was on vacation and I saw that he had tweeted that uh, there were prayers were needed for the Southern Baptist Convention. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And I, at that time, I had no idea that he'd already seen the report. And now that makes sense that, that he tweeted out that there would be prayers that were needed for the for the denomination. And that's his 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 main thrust is that now that these things have come to light. They can move forward. They can heal. When I talked to him yesterday, he talked about uh, there being a need for uh, apologies, not blanket apologies, but actual individual apologies to each of these survivors that were criticized for, for bringing this up and disparaged and, you know, uh, discounted and, and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing and gaslit, basically. Um, he thinks that they first need to apologize to these people. But also uh, he likes the idea of a database. And that was, like I said, one of the recommendations that the uh, investigators had for the denomination. Something else that I thought was interesting from him is that uh, last year they wanted to find out if they could waive uh, attorney-client privilege for this investigation. And and there was a kind of a big brouhaha. The first vote that the exec committee had on on waiving attorney-client privilege, um, it, was, it was voted down. The second time they they voted on it, they decided to waive, waive attorney-client privilege. And what that meant was that everything was uncovered. What that meant was that even the leaders were going to, people were going to be able to see what the leaders were doing. And so when I talked to him uh, yesterday after the, the latest executive committee meeting, he said that he felt like that was why it was important for the attorney-client privilege to to be to be uncovered or or done away with, so that so that people could find out what what the leadership you know were doing. So Carla, I'm. It's interesting how you contrasted the structural differences between the Southern Baptist Convention and the Catholic Church, which has a, a very defined hierarchy, whereas the Southern Baptist Convention, it seems to be a little bit more of a, a democratic structure. Um, so when you talk about 
how they move forward, how they address these issues. I mean, is there really a way to do that in a systemic sense? Because like you said, a lot of these churches are autonomous. Um, so I'm just curious what you've heard so far from Southern Baptist churches and Southern Baptist leadership of how they correct these issues here. You're exactly right. I think the first thing that this is all going to start from the grassroots level. It's going to start at each individual church. Um, a Pastor Keybone from Lawton mentioned uh, he'd like to see a code of ethics that created for each each uh, pastor and each ministry leader. Um, and of course, you know, of course, they can they don't have to do that. But he'd like to see them see them do it so that if they do, you know, not, you know, do something that that's in that code of ethics, you know, they, they have something to say, hey, you, you violate this code of ethics. But anyway, the. The thing about it is each church is going to have to really look at what they can do to prevent uh, a sexual abuse and how they respond to, to victims uh, who come forward. Now, in Oklahoma, the uh, Oklahoma Baptist or the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, which is kind of an overarching group uh, here in Oklahoma, they uh, their new executive director, the Reverend Todd Fisher, has uh, recently uh, put together a, a sexual abuse task force, and, and he's wanting them to come up with uh, best practices or, or study best practices to come up with uh, ways that they can uh, teach Oklahoma churches, um, you know, how to respond to, to victims, you know, none of the stonewalling and, 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 and doing some of the other things that have been happening uh, in, in other places. And then also um, he's, he's wants them to uh, see what they can do about, about prevention. So it is going, they recognize that it is going to have to start from the grassroots, but also they, seem to understand that they do need some kind of database, some kind of central uh, wheelhouse so that every church that's in cooperation, that's what they call it, in cooperation with the convention, uh, can look at this this list or this database and say, oh, uh, we, we have this gentleman coming up for uh, senior uh, our senior pastorate. Perhaps not because he's he's on this list and he has a case, you know, from such and such time and and he's been convicted of, you know, this crime. So it looks like they are going to recommend to the uh, delegates meeting in uh, June in Anaheim, uh, California, that they do put together this uh, a database. But it's all like you said, it's all a, a, a voting. There's a lot of voting going on, you know, committees and things like that, whereas I don't think that's how it works in the Catholic Church per se. I think they do have regional bodies and jurisdictional bodies, but I think things come from the Vatican and from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, you know, which of course is the the uh, governing arm of the uh, Catholic Church here in in America. One question that I had, um, and and I don't I don't think you've reported on this, but we've seen the the Catholic scandals um, for for decades now. Pastor Broson has this has been an issue for him for for many years. Are, are there concerns in other denominations, other religious um, organizations that this could be happening in their own backyard? Do you think that they're gonna uh, take a, a serious look at their own organizations now that you know with people besides Catholics and besides the Southern Baptists? Are, are they gonna dive into their own investigations now, do you think? Well, I'll tell you that that's an interesting question, a great question. So what's interesting is I became religion editor in uh, summer. I'm getting ready to come up with my 20th anniversary. <laughs> it's kind of scary. And in, in 20, uh, uh, 2002. And that was when the, uh, the 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 Catholic abuse scandal, for lack of a better term, was just you know breaking out and was just kind of mushrooming. And 
at that time, you know, the, the, the Catholic leadership in America and in the Vatican and all around the world, they came up with ways to uh, train their congregations on, on what to look for. You know, volunteers had to go through uh, background checks and, 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 you know, ministers and things like that. And they came up with ways to to really try to tackle this this issue. That was back in 2002. Now, at the same time, that's when other organizations, other denominations started to look at it too. I remember that the Episcopal Church started uh, coming up with uh, actual programs to put in place. Um, there were some other denominations that did the same. And so I believe that this is a, that's what we're going to see now. I think that even the denominations that have already ha- have things in place, I think they're probably going to look at a refresher you know, just to make sure, because I'm, I'm sure that, you know, when, when you're watching this happen to one denomination, um, it's probably concerning. Uh, you know, it's, it should be concerning, right? So I believe that there'll probably be, if they don't have programs in place to uh, prevent this sort of thing from happening, they will do so. But most of them, I believe, have already have put things in place. And so they'll probably refresh, do some refreshers. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be looking into that. So, Carla, the Southern Baptist Convention is supposed to host its annual meeting in just a few weeks um, in Anaheim, California. Uh, So you touched on some of what they might talk about there. So I was just curious, you know, is the denomination as a whole going to address this? How do they address it? And and I just can't imagine this being anything but a, a, a huge bomb dropped on this major, major conference that's happening in just a couple of weeks. Well, here's what's interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Here's what's interesting. So so last year, uh, last year, the, the uh, delegates, uh, there was a, a pastor who made a motion on the floor, which is uh, they, they usually have uh, resolutions and things that they, they vote on during these annual meetings. But then they also people can, you know, from the floor of the delegates themselves can just say, hey, I'd like to make a motion to do a, that we do ABC. And there was a, a minister who who asked that they get a third party report or a third party investigation of uh, how the Southern Baptist Executive Committee and the denomination was handling sexual abuse uh, uh, cases or allegations. And that's how this all came out. So I think that this shows that the uh, delegates themselves are going to be watching this very closely. And you can see how it, it worked in their favor that they they got this investigation done. And now, it, you know, they've had all these things come to light. So I think that will be number one on their on their list of, of things to address. And um, so so that's the in- interesting part about that. They, they will be addressing it because the uh, report investigators had several uh, recommendations, not just the, the, the creation of a database, but other other things that they want the denomination to consider. And I believe that the executive committee and the sexual abuse task force are probably going to have some recommendations as well. So I believe that's going to be the number one priority for this particular uh, meeting meeting that's coming up. Well, Carla, thanks for joining us to talk about this important topic, and we'll continue to look for your continuing coverage of it. To our listeners, thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read Carla's stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at Oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.